Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. And we welcome you into episode 176 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. I'm going to get to myself, Greg Frank, and eRenewable CEO Mike Niemer in just a second with our guest, Russ Bates, on today's pod. However, before we do that, we always like to check in with eRenewable COO Ann Niemer, and has got a few words for us to get us started. Ann Niemer here, COO of eRenewable. We know today whether you're a public company, private equity, or privately held company, ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. And we welcome you to episode 176 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable, alongside Mike Niemer. My name is Greg Frank, as it is Monday, April the 3rd, as we record. You listen a little bit later on in the month of April. Mike, it's good to be with you again. How are you doing? Well, it's good to be back and I'm doing well after the uh, holiday weekend. And I say holiday because not just Palm Sunday, but yesterday was my birthday. So okay. it was a holiday for me. <laughs> so I've enjoyed watching the basketball and uh, I have to admit something. Uh, as you all know, Greg, I went to the University of Kansas and our men bowed out early, but our women won the NIT for the first time in history of any postseason uh, tournament. So I actually watched my first full women's basketball game this weekend watching KU uh, win the NIT. So that was wow. kind of fun and something different to do. So anyway. I also have to ask you, given the way Connecticut's been playing, you would have been playing them in the Sweet 16. Does it make you feel any better bowing out early or do you still think, oh, well, we would have beat them? <laughs> No, I'm glad we only lost by one point because they would have beat us by 20, I'm afraid, <laughs> because uh, they're looking awful strong. So bowing out early is okay not to have to face them. But if I faced them in the finals, I'd have taken the shot. But early Before on, we get going, you mentioned holiday weekend. For a minute, I thought that was an April Fool's reference. I don't know if that's a uh, longstanding tradition in the Niemer family. but Well, uh, my grandma Niemer was born on April 1st, and so okay. we, uh, she's uh, left us a while ago. But, uh, but anyway... But the holiday weekend being Palm Sunday and my birthday on the same weekend. So for our family, it was a holiday. Well, a happy birthday to you. And on that note, let's bring in our guest. He is Russ Bates, the founder at NextGen Clean Energy Solutions. Russ, thanks a lot for your time. How are you doing? Hey, thanks, guys. Great to be here. And uh, happy birthday, Mike. Thank you. So tell us, Russ, a little bit about your background, how you kind of found your way to the clean energy sustainability space and uh, you know, what you're doing right now at Clean Energy Solutions. No, no, appreciate the uh, the invite, guys. Um, yeah, so my background is in fossil fuel power gen. Um, I'm a conversion, I, I, I suppose. Uh, spent a lot of time where I grew up in southern Indiana in uh, coal-fired power plants. Uh, that's where I started my career as an IBW electrician. Um, from one end of the, the coal plant, uh, coal-fired power plant to the other, um, also in some coal yards. Uh, themselves actually grew up on a site of a former coal mine uh, for back in the 20s and 30s. So um, coal is is in the blood of a lot of folks down there, um, me included. 
uh, and then I, I began to transition um, as natural gas came into play. And uh, certainly the last several years into clean energy. Um, it's one of those things where I saw the, the advancements of the technology becoming much more efficient. And of course the economics that, uh, that comes along with that. Um, it, it really struck me as, hey, this is, this is the future, um, whether you're uh, looking at the environmental impact or not. Um, that just seemed to make economic and, and efficiency sense on, in my head. And, and of course, uh, you know, a big thumbs up on the, the environment uh, impact that's, that's positive as well. Um, so it made that transition. Um, one thing I, I noticed is uh, getting into the, the utility space of clean energy. So big wind farms, big uh, uh, solar uh, utility solar projects, um, that there was a missing link in my mind uh, and that's with the C&I sector, so that commercial and industrial space. Um, you didn't see too much of that. You, you would see the Amazon. We've, we've been on those projects, the Amazon projects, roof mount project for a distribution center. But you really didn't see a whole lot, the, the bigger segment of, uh, of that uh, uh, sector, that C&I sector taking advantage. And um, I thought that was a shame. I thought that's something that um, was really an opportunity to, to get in and help folks. So uh, a lot of research, a lot of looking around and not seeing any great solutions to help that, uh, that space. Uh, so decided to become a, a business owner and uh, founded NextGen Clean Energy Solutions. Um, so what do we do? Uh, we're a one-stop shop, concept to completion, single point of contact company uh, for anything and everything, clean energy and sustainability. Um, I'll, I'll borrow a phrase from a friend of mine, uh, Tony Frizone. Um, we're not trying to boil the ocean, but we are trying to make it really, really simple and anything under that umbrella of clean energy and sustainability help out with. Um, so uh, if we're, we're considered kind of the easy button for, for that sector, uh, folks can reach out to us and, and we'll come in and, and uh, really help out. Um, and we do competitive bids. We're not installing solar panels or micro wind turbines ourselves, but um, we've got a lot of great partners. Uh, that we can put out uh, RFPs and let them competitively bid. So solar, um, battery storage, wind, and primarily micro wind turbines, uh, solar street, uh, parking lot uh, lighting, um, and of course EV charging stations. We can come in and, and really help out and make, uh, make these folks' lives a lot easier and that they can check those sustainability boxes while saving uh, dollars at the same time. Well, you know, Russ, I saw... Um that on LinkedIn, you guys started in 2020, which is kind of when we got started too. So I like to ask all of my fellow 2020 startups, come March and April of 2020 and the pandemic hit, what pivot did you have to make from your initial concept to where you are now? Well, really that's the time that, that the idea for NextGen started to come up. Um, we we actually founded, filed the paperwork January 1st of uh, of 2021, just to kind of step out of that 2020 space um, for for a lot of reasons, um, you know, just to, to feel better about it and come, kind of coming into a new year and a new start. Um, but that's that's part of what we saw, Mike, was there's a lot of opportunity out there. A lot of those projects, uh, CNI projects, could have been going on even with the pandemic happening. In our opinion, you still have to work them safe and all that good stuff. Um, but it really wasn't wasn't exposed too much. I think if there's anything good about the pandemic, and I'm not saying there, there really is, but it did help people to 
to open their eyes a little bit to those types of things. And it certainly opened my eyes to, to uh, kind of what's going on in, in the energy space um, with that commercial and industrial sector. So your C&I uh, business that you're doing, you're going out to all the commercial industrials and you're uh, offering to put on-site generation and battery storage and so forth at their facilities. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, it's it's a little bit more. Um, so whether it's uh, the CNI folks, whether it's municipalities, um, nonprofit organizations, whoever that may be, um, we we don't cookie cutter anything. We want to see what are their goals. You know, it's, it really starts with consultation. What do they want to do? Um, what are they paying right now for electricity? Um, do they actually have any sustainability goals in place? Um, and a lot of times they don't for any of those uh, questions. And we go through a whole realm of questions, of course. Uh, but we really want to customize um, a solution for them and for their particular situation, for their particular um, uh, facility. Uh, two warehouses that look exactly the same, that doesn't mean they're going to need the exact same system. It depends on what's going on there and, and the company and the personnel. Uh, so we like to go in and, and really put that owner's hat on and sit in their shoes or in their seat, put their shoes on and try to figure out what what's the best solution for them. Is it a, a solar roof mount solar uh, array? Maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe their roof uh, is gonna need replaced in five or six years. All right, well, let's talk about that first. Let's not put something on that we're gonna have to, to redo shortly. Um, let's look at maybe when, let's look at EV charging, the fleet transition to electric. Uh, we can help with all those things. So it's really a customized approach with, with each uh, client. You mentioned customizing your approaches, Ross, and I, I'm just curious on a personal level, how important is it to kind of nurture, you know, create new ones and also, you know, establish or, or, or continue the ones that you have with your clients just because, as you said, customizable relationship, you want to make sure that, you know, what you're doing for one client is going to be different from what you're doing with another client. And therefore you want to be able to kind of, be on the same page with each one to try and, you know, keep the relationship going, right? Yeah, that's so important, Greg. And the one constant I'll say that is cookie cutter for every client is, is uh, quality customer service and long-term relationships. So um, it, it's really, really important that we go in and talk with them and see what's, what's going to be right for you. Um, and, and really, again, I, I say it a lot, put that owner's hat on. So, um, we have told clients, let's not do this project today because it doesn't make sense for this reason. You know, um, economics are a big part of it. We always want them to save dollars. That's, that's really whenever we go in, I'll say the number one priority for most, and it's a big priority for us too. Um, and if you can save those dollars and help uh, with the sustainability and uh, environmental movement, wow, that's, that's wins all the way around. But most business owners are seriously looking at what's what's it going to cost? What's that ROI going to be? So whenever we can bring in PPAs and different financing options to to help make that a little bit easier, especially, Mike, to your point, when you know, there wasn't a lot of capital dollars out there for these types of projects. Um, yeah, we want to help them in that regard, too. So we, we try to bring financing solutions as well. You also help them with any rebates that might be out there for, uh, provided by the government. You help them find and that sub subsidy that's available to them. We've we've helped a little bit, and and that's a little bit outside of of our specialty. We've got some folks that uh, can do grant writing that we can we can tap and uh, you know see if they they're able to help or not. Um, 
typically on on those types of subsidies we'll show them here's what's here's what's available like with the itc you know here's what's available here here's how we would put the project in so you can get this full 30 percent and here's this other 10 percent domestic content uh we're, we're going to do everything we can to get that in place too uh, but we always tell them we're not tax professionals. Um, it's not our business to get into your finances. We'll do everything we can to help, but be sure to talk to uh, to the tax professional and, and those folks that handle that. But but we do assist as much as possible. So when you talk to the municipalities and then you talk to the CNI customer, is there a common stumbling block between the two of them? Or do you each have two different sets of issues that you have to typically try to overcome? Oh, that's that's a really good question, Mike. And the, the common problem is something that we call uh, uh, paralysis at the starting gate. That's that's something our, our COO, Mike Ewers, has, has kind of coined um, for us. But they'll have these initiatives, um, whether it's a company or municipality. Um, they may even go so far as to have us put together a recommendation report for them, and, and we've done several of those. Um, we'll lay out short-term, mid-term, long-term, whatever their goals are, and trying to systematically put a plan together with budgets, with uh, the, the return on investment, all those types of things in play to meet those goals. Um, but they'll have a hard time starting that process, right? Uh, even if it's one where there's not going to be really any cost associated with it, because uh, we'll, we can put a lot of the next gen fees within these projects to project manage and, and put everything together. It, it's just hard for them to start and make that commitment and get out of the gate, so to speak. Well, I know, uh, you know, that is the one thing I came from the oil and gas world. You were in coal. I was oil and gas for 40 years before I made the switch. And, uh, that has been the biggest issue that I've had to get used to is in the renewable sustainable world, it moves a lot slower than I'm used to moving with regards to oil and gas, where, you know, their futures markets, oil has been around since 1980 and gas since 90. And, you know, everything's very transactional. There's transactions, but it takes a long time to get there. So your paralysis of the starting gate is a very, very choice correct choice of words that you guys probably ought to trademark so no one else takes it from you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's part of it's understandable. I, I mean, with the IRA and, and the tax incentives and all right, what does domestic content mean? What's the definition of that? Um, so that these projects can get that ROI. Uh, I understand being, in, you know, an investor myself, if I'm investing in a project, is it going to be that extra 10% that I'm going to get those incentives or not? And well, we don't know yet because the, uh, the IRS still has to put those guidelines out. All right. I, I understand why some of these projects are, are kind of uh, slow walking uh, to start. We've got a large project in Texas, um, a 305 megawatt project that we're the owner's rep on, um, but they haven't started yet. They're waiting to put that final signature on to make sure that domestic content checks all those uh, all those boxes so they get that extra 10%. So sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it's like, that's not gonna matter one way or the other, let's go ahead and move forward. Um, yeah, it, it is slow for sure and, and can be a, a bit of an issue because you still have all your permitting, your interconnection. If you're tying in with a grid operator, oh wow, that's an even bigger problem. So it, it's it's a slow process. Have you worked in that process, Russ, and just the, different steps along the way 
Uh, how important is it for you guys at Next Gen? I mean, tell us a little bit about your, you know, setup from a staffing standpoint and, and your kind of communicating uh, with different people on different projects to make sure that the whole operation runs smoothly. Yeah, the, the great way about how we're set up is is our partnerships and the ability to expand and contract. It really hadn't been contraction. It's been more expansion. Um, so, again, we don't do the the installation work. Um, there will be a contractor that that actually does that an EPC. Um, typically, we're the owner's rep. The contract will flow through next gen. Um, we'll then contract with uh, whoever that EPC is after we go through that competitive bid process. They'll do all the permitting. They'll do all the uh, the detailed design, um, all pretty much all the procurement. Sometimes we can we can help and assist in that regard. Um, but then we'll have a project manager or maybe an onsite owners rep um, that does all the check in. So they're they're working with our our partners, those EPC partners. And I do want to stress these guys are certainly partners, uh, guys and girls that we work with because. We want those to to uh, to succeed. We don't want them to have problems on the project. We know there's going to be right. There's going to be some supply chain issue, for example, or a labor issue. They're having trouble getting people. Um, and I've been in that situation where an owner's rep, they're like, "Ah, oh, gotcha. I'm going to get you with a liquidated damage charge. Uh, you know, hit you with these LDS." And that's not how we operate. We want to help these folks. We want to be their partners. If they're having problems, because I've been there myself, hey, let's communicate. Let's, if you've got labor issues, I know a few people to call. Maybe we can get you some more help. Um, you're having trouble getting these inverters? All right, I've got connections. Let's, let's reach out and, and help one another because that makes the project go around the right way. So uh, again, that's, that's something that we value and that's how we approach uh, these relationships and uh, these projects. Um, you know, we, we try to be a, a good steward, obviously, and look out for that owner, but looking out for that owner can be also helping that, uh, that partner get the install done the right way. It sounds like, to put it in simple terms, you're the general contractor on each of your own projects, right? You're finding um, competitors to come in underneath you and you're just kind of directing the traffic. We're directing traffic, but I wouldn't call us a GC because we don't do any of the licensing or anything. So that would be the, we, we say owner's representative. Um, so we can handle that part and actually be part of that team. But yeah, we, we help with coordination. We're, we're not trying to, uh, you know, really get in and, um, you know, analyze and, and they've got their plans and all this kind of stuff. We want them to go by their plans that they submit and make everything go in the right way um, and work towards their plans. But we do want to be a resource to help them and, uh, you know, make sure they're they're going down that right path. And if there's a suggestion we can put out there, because uh, we've got some pretty smart folks um, in, in our organization, too, then then we want to do that. You know, take the, the best idea and uh, and move forward with it. Russ, uh, thank you so much for joining Greg and I on today's episode of The Green Insider. Uh, we appreciate your time. We appreciate what you guys are doing at Next Gen Clean Energy Solutions. Keep up the good work and, uh, you know, let's keep making this planet a little bit greener day by day. Uh, thanks so much, Mike and Greg. I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. He's Russ Bates, our guest. And for Mike Niemer, I am Greg Frank. This has been The Green Insider, powered by Renewable, episode 176 on the podcast. Everybody enjoy the rest of your days. We'll talk to you on episode 177.